Greetings, happy warriors, and thank you for being part of the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, where I, your rabbi, solemnly dedicate myself to revealing to you how the world really works. Thanks for being part of the show, and thank you for doing all you do do to help promote it and get the word out, and you're doing a great job, and I very much appreciate it. Have you ever noticed that you meet somebody and they just suck all the energy out of you? Sometimes you say to somebody, how are you doing? And the person says, uh, not so well. And your heart just sinks because you know you're now going to be subjected to a list of all the ills that ail this person at the moment. And if truth be told, you don't really want to hear that, you know, unless it's your child. But if it's a friend, an associate, an acquaintance, even a stranger, no, you don't want to hear that at all. It's gloomy, and life's just too short to hang out with gloomy people. Well, the name of today's show is Business Plan 2024, Coffins or Cradles. And the point is that how you view the future impacts your present. What you think tomorrow will be like has a real effect on your today. And you can see how that might work, right? Because if you see a tomorrow of gloom and hopelessness, nothing but a catalog of calamity, it's going to be very hard not to project that. You'd have to be an extraordinarily good actor. You know, you, you really, you belong on the stage if you can do that. Because you know how sensitive we humans are to the moods of other people. We spot, we spot it very quickly. We can really tell, you know, how somebody else is feeling very, very quickly. And so anybody who develops this picture of a hopeless tomorrow, a tomorrow filled with pain and hopelessness and torment and torture, it's going to be very hard for that person to project optimism and, and good cheer. On the contrary, such a person will project pretty much what he's been thinking about the future. Not optimistic at all, very pessimistic. And that means that, uh, well, it means that people are going to try and avoid you is what it really means, because nobody wants to hang out with gloomy downer people who suck all the energy out of their environment. And so, yes, if you develop the feeling that tomorrow is hopeless, if you develop the feeling that the future is really awful, then it's going to be very difficult for you to be somebody that other people want to be around. And you know that almost without exception, every victory you've won, every achievement you've attained, every joy you have experienced, every happiness that has been part of your life has always come about through the collaboration of at least one other person. You know, it might be a spouse, might be a parent, a sibling, a good friend, a, uh, a partner, but 
it's almost unheard of for great moments in our lives to come about when we're utterly alone and isolated. And so to develop a perspective of the future that is a pessimistic perspective and a perspective filled with disaster and downers, well, it's going to be tough for you to retain close connection with other people because you're making it too unpleasant. You're making it too emotionally costly for other people to be around you. And that's really an important thing to understand. So we've got to ask ourselves, looking ahead, do you see coffins or cradles? Do you see life or do you see death? Now, imagine if you would that you're interested in making a bit more money. You're looking for a side hustle. You're good with wood and you're okay with tools. So you set up a workbench in your basement. You invest in a saw, a planer, a drill press, a router, a set of good chisels, a miter jig, and a few other things you figure you need. And what do you do? Well, you subscribe to this podcast, of course, is what you do. And uh, and this is my reminder to go ahead. Um, it, it's a big favor for us. It really um, helps with the, the numbers and our subscription numbers are going up. So please hit that subscribe and uh, become an official subscriber of the show. We'd love that. And... Uh, while you're at it, you might also want to visit the website, rabbidaniellappin.com, and think about becoming a member, because as soon as you become a member, you gain access to a vast boatload of ancient Jewish wisdom that is behind the membership wall. And this information... It's hours and hours and hours of material, audio and video. It's reading material. It's hundreds and hundreds of, of principles and articles and courses, everything. And you get access to that when you become a member, a happy warrior. And uh, that way you are able to improve your five Fs. The things we all really care about, our families, our finances, our fitness, our friendships, and our faith. And everybody knows that when we speak about our finances, that's not just your bank account. It's your possessions. It is your relationships with people that make it possible for you to build your finances. It might be your boss, might be your employer, might be your employees. But uh, there's a whole world there under the F of finance and family you know that's not just your parents and your siblings and your children no family is everything of an intimate nature including including your intimate physical relationships because that is and he said that is what makes family right that's exactly what it's all about so uh, the reason we created a, a brand new book called the holistic you the reason that book exists is to help people understand what fits into each of these five F's and, more importantly, how they affect one another. 
And so uh, we've been speaking today about how your perspective on tomorrow impacts how good a day you're having today. So there you are. You've set up your woodworking shop in your basement. You've got your tools. And uh, now you're ready to start doing some woodworking projects. But first of all, you need customers. So you take a stroll down your town's high street and uh, for inspiration, right? You want to walk around the main street there, drum up, maybe drum up some business. And you see a funeral parlor. Fantastic. You run in, talk to them and say, hey, uh, I'm a carpenter. Anything you need that I could make for you? Guy says, hey, you think you could put together some plain wood coffins? As he says, I've got no problem with suppliers for high-end bronze and brass and metal and fiberglass. I can get every single kind of casket you want. But many people just want a plain pine wood coffin. Fantastic. I can turn those out for you. That's simple for me to make. Fantastic. How many would you like? Well, I'll, you know, I'll buy uh, five of them a month from you. Ah, fantastic. Let's work out a good price that uh, works well for you and me, and we're in business. And you continue walking down the main street, and uh, you see a big store called Main Street Baby and Toddler Depot. Fantastic. So you pop in, and you go and talk to them, and you discover that they would love to stock a line of handmade oak wood cradles. Fantastic. So you negotiate a price, you, you, you come back with a model and a design and a picture, and, um, and you ask them how many they'd like to buy from you, and they say, well, you know, we think it'll catch on here. I think, you know, this is a traditional town. I think people are tired of the, the plastic uh, baby cradles they want something honest something real something made out of good oak wood fine this is great they're gonna buy five cradles a month from you the other place the funeral parlor is gonna buy five coffins from you you're in business and uh, as soon as you get home from your regular day job you go down to your basement and you start making these uh, cradles and these coffins and you're able to sell them so that way you realize it's great because you're making money serving people, whether they're coming or going, as, as you might say. So um, you get set up to, to make uh, pine wood coffins and oak cradles, and you have an opportunity to buy a, a whole big truckload of wood at a very good price. So you've got to try and figure now, you can only afford to store up inventory of one. So you've got to decide, should you buy the truckload of pine wood at a fantastic price so you can make the coffins even less expensively than you have been and make more profit? Or should you rather buy the truckload of oak and make cradles? Well, in order to find the answer to that, you just check the demographics. You find out what's happening in, in your city or in your county or in your neighborhood or your town. You try and find out. You know, are more people dying or are more people being born? Are more people coming or are more people going? And you can figure it out, right? And so that way you'll know whether to buy your truckload of pine or a truckload of oak. And then you say, but wait, it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, either way is fine because you're making money selling either coffins or cradles. So whichever turns out to be the more popular thing will be fine with you. And so... Uh, Wait a sec, that's not altogether true. 
because you know that store, Main Street Baby and Toddler Depot, and you're selling them about five cradles, oakwood cradles a month, and they're getting ready because people are talking about them. There's a bit of word of mouth, and you've made him a nice display, and he's getting ready to up it to about eight cradles a month. So things are really looking good. And then you realize, but wait, every baby, every newborn who goes to sleep in one of your cradles is going to turn into a two-year-old toddler. And two-year-old toddlers like playing with blocks. And what is better than a nice, clean, beautiful piece of maple wood, wooden blocks? Nice symmetrical block, oblongs, cylinders, squares, cubes. And you realize, and so you go back to the uh, the uh, Main Street Baby and Toddler Depot and you say to them, hey, would you be interested in a line of maple wood blocks? We can make them in sets of 10 blocks and 20 blocks and 100 blocks, depending on the age of the child. Guy says, you know what? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try a couple of those, see how they go. And way, fantastic. People love them. It's not that easy to get really nice maple wood blocks for kids to play with. And then you realize, wait, that toddler's going to turn four or five. Wouldn't it be nice if he can have a little table and two chairs so his mom can serve him snack after school at his own little table, his own little chair, and another little chair for his little sister who's a couple of years younger than he is? And so you go back to Main Street, uh, Baby and Toddler Depot, and you say, what about, uh, would you like to buy a little dining set for the kids? Well, the guy really is, you know, everything you make has been selling so nicely and you deal with him so uprightly and the the whole thing is working out well. He says, you know what? Sounds like a good idea. Let's give it a, a try. Let's put one on the showroom floor, see what people make of it. And your woodworking business is growing because everybody who is a customer for your cradle remembers the name your brand name that you're building and you're creating. And then when they see toy blocks made of the same by the same maker, they're interested. And then little furniture set, more interested because you're building a relationship. And uh, everyone who sleeps in one of your cradles is a future customer for other things you're going to be able to make and sell them out of wood. But nobody who you sell a coffin to is going to have any follow-up orders. That's just a reality. So every time you see a pregnant lady, you give a great big smile, right? Because there's a future customer walking down the road. But when you see a funeral procession, and while that mean you, it might mean you've sold a coffin to that car, the person in the car leading the procession, but that's all. And what's worse is that grandparent who is being buried in one of your pinewood coffins, admittedly, but that grandparent is no longer around to buy a nice handmade oak wood cradle for their granddaughter. And so you realize that there is a very big difference between cradles and coffins. Yes, you're making money coming and going, 
but you're making much more on the cradles because you're building business relationships that go on into the future. So selling a coffin is fine for today, but selling a cradle is wonderful for tomorrow. When you see many pregnant ladies and many mothers at the park with lots of their kids, you feel optimistic about the future. But if all you see are lots and lots of funeral processions, you start wondering about how viable your business is and indeed your whole life. You know, will you have to move? I mean, if all you're doing is selling coffins, that's not much of a business unless you can scale it and sell them in the next town. Well, that may be what you have to do. But there's a totally different feeling of optimism that surrounds you when you are dealing with the future of lots of babies compared to when you're dealing with a future of lots of funerals. It's totally different for very good reason. A future of more cradles than coffins is not only good for making money and growing an economy, though that's obviously very important, it's also good for generating optimism about the future. You're much more likely to marry and raise a family and invest in long-term projects if you see more cradles than coffins. And this is one reason that so much of our new book I told you about, The Holistic You, is devoted to understanding the connection between finance and family. Can I ask you to think about two different boys? I want you to compare and contrast these two boys. Let's call them Tom and Jerry, shall we? Now, Tom is the middle of five siblings. Jerry is an only child. As a matter of fact, Jerry is a, an example of what we call the 421 syndrome. 421. What's the 421? Well, it's very simple. How many grandparents did Jerry have? Four. Right? Because his mother had two parents and his father had two parents. So Jerry had four grandparents. How many parents did he have? Well, two. A mother and a father. And how many in Jerry's generation? Just one. Now, think about how many people you know who are single children and who are 421ers. And you'll see very often, very often, that single child, that, single per that person you know who's a single child actually has a mother who was a single child, and a father who was a single child. And that makes them one of the 421 cohorts. Let's go back to Tom, shall we? Tom has happily married parents who've been married for many years. Jerry, well, Jerry's mom is single. She divorced Jerry's dad years ago. So you can begin to see the contrast between Tom and Jerry. And if you are fortunate, in your neighborhood, you know lots and lots of Toms and not a lot of Jerry's. 
But sadly, just because I follow these figures and these demographics, there's an awful lot of Jerry's in the United States of America, and there are an awful lot of Jerry's in the United Kingdom. Let's watch their life continuing. Not surprisingly, because there is no, hear me well on this, there is no more reliable statistic for positive outcomes in children than being raised by a married mother and a father. Really. I mean, if, if public policy people were really serious about wanting to reduce youth crime and delinquency and all the th- and school failure and every all the bad pathologies all they would have to do is focus on making sure that people are married before they have children and stay together and raise their children together in a successful family and a happy marriage that's all you got to do and so you won't be shocked to hear that Tom goes through school very successfully, whereas Jerry drops out of high school at, uh, in, the, um, uh, in the 10th or 11th grade. Jerry's out of school. Now, Tom, after he finishes high school, he goes on to go to trade school. And in trade school, he, he learns to be a crane operator, and then he gets apprenticed to a crane company, and then he gets certified, and then he has a really good job operating a crane. And for heaven's sake, you know, he's not even 21 yet. It's fantastic. Um, Jerry, on the other hand, because he dropped out of school, uh, seems to go from one minimum wage job to another. And what's more, Jerry has already had some encounters with law enforcement. Tom's older two siblings get married. Right? He's got an older sister and an older brother. They get married. When he's, while he's at the lovely wedding of his older sister, Tom meets a girl who is a cousin of his new brother-in-law. So his sister is marrying this nice guy who's going to be Tom's brother-in-law. And at the wedding is this lovely girl who tells Tom she's a second cousin of the, the bridegroom. Well, Tom and this girl start seeing each other. And, uh, and um, Tom's parents like her very much. And Tom's siblings like her. And that, that's a huge help for Tom in that situation. And uh, meanwhile, over by Jerry, uh, Jerry's been hit with a support claim by a woman who claims that Jerry is the father of a kid she's just had. And um, Jerry's the same age as Tom. Jerry's also only about 21. And that's what his life is looking like. Um, Let's go back to Tom. Tom marries this girl he met at his older sister's wedding a week after the wedding of his younger sister. So there's all these kind of happy events going on in Tom's family, and they're all surrounding the idea of marriage and family, so it's not hard for Tom to feel comfortable in that situation. Jerry, in in an attempt to sort of start putting his life on the right track, joins the military. 
Meanwhile, babies start arriving in Tom's extended family. And, uh, you know, with all his siblings now married and, uh, and the grandparents around, uh, it's like wall-to-wall cradles. <laughs> I mean, Tom's, Tom's family is busy buying cradles like crazy. Uh, Jerry, Jerry gets married while he's in the military, but um, Jerry doesn't want any children. Who knows why? Maybe because of his own childhood, maybe because of having been sued for support by this woman. Uh, whatever it is, Jerry marries somebody while he's in the military, and neither of them want to bring a child into this rotten world. That's, that's what you hear when you talk to Jerry and his wife. Very different when you talk to Tom and his wife, because they're getting ready to welcome their first child. Um, Jerry stays in the military for a few years and then retires with a military pension. And he takes a job working for a security company. And um, he and his wife, they like taking these um, five-day cruises uh, down the coast from Los Angeles to Mexico or from Florida to the Caribbean. And that's what, Tom, that's what Jerry and his wife like doing. Meanwhile, uh, Tom himself has the same number of kids that he was part of in his family. Tom and his wife have five kids. And you know what happened? Um, Tom's older brother's father-in-law, right? Because they all get together at family gatherings. It's a big, big family. And they have these boisterous, wonderful gatherings. And Tom becomes friendly with his older brother's father-in-law. And uh, that guy is a, con uh, is a building, he's a, a land developer. He, he develops real estate. And he offers Tom a job running a construction site for a big new building. So up till now, Tom has been very familiar with construction sites because he operates cranes. But now he gets an opportunity to be the on-site foreman of a whole new construction project. And as you can imagine, uh, Tom is doing very well, has a big family of his own, his parents live nearby all the other kids and have their about 20 grandkids so far. And Tom's parents are having a fine old time. And so here are two completely separate life depictions, right? Which I, I made them up, of course, but I mean, you know people like this, right? You, you know people exactly like this. Not only do family and finance propel one another, but optimism is also part of the mix. Family helps one be optimistic, and, and optimism brings financial stability, which produces more optimism because it's much easier to be optimism when you've got a few dollars in your pocket, and that helps to make family. So there is a constant positive feedback loop between finance and family, which if you really want to understand and you really want to incorporate those principles into your life, get yourself a copy of The Holistic You. That's all you have to do. So I'll tell you this. If you happen to be somebody who's trying to build up your finances and you also happen to have 
a young family and you've got three or four children maybe and uh, you're you sometimes think to yourself this is more than I can handle I'm a spouse I've got to take care of my spouse I've got two or three or four children whatever it is and there they all are under my feet under the age of 10 and I just don't know if I can handle this stop that and start reminding yourself that you actually owe a huge thank you to your children for your financial success. It really comes from them. You know why? Because in spite of the fact that raising children is a, it's certainly a challenging task, there's no question about it, it draws out from you your very best qualities, compassion and kindness, discipline, um, courage, everything, all the good things are drawn from you by your children. But in addition to that, living in a house with young children cannot help but contribute to you being an optimistic person. Now, there are some people who are just so soaked in the vinegar of pessimism that Not even young kids can take you out of it, but most normal people. You got a group of of young, of your children in the house, it helps you be optimistic. And if you're optimistic, it means you're viewing tomorrow beautifully, which means that your today becomes a lot better than it might have been otherwise. So no matter how hard it is to be raising those children, no matter how hard it is, to have a child knocking on your door at two in the morning and say, mommy or daddy, I'm frightened. I, I had a bad dream. And, and you've got to go now and, and chase giant yellow dogs out of your children's room. And the kid knows they, the, the dogs are there. They're in the closet or they're under the bed. And you know you've got to go and, and, and help get rid of Yeah, and you've got a, an important meeting at eight o'clock in the morning. And yeah, it, it's hard. But give a big thank you to those kids because they do more for you than you do for them. You, through them, you brought a child into the world, and that's amazing. But they did something else. They created a parent. I'm thinking mostly in terms of father now, but the same is, of course, true for mothers. It's exactly the same. Don't lose sight of that. I'll I'll tell you who knows what I'm talking about. People who live in those senior communities where you have to be 60 years old or, or older in order to live there and they've got them all around the country so retirement communities no children allowed you can have your grandkids stay over three days a month or whatever it is and many many people in those types of communities have told me that if it weren't for the fact that they've locked themselves into that situation, they would get out because they cannot stand never seeing kids. And um, it's a great blessing, great blessing to live on a block or to live in a neighborhood or in a suburb or an area where there's lots of kids around. You live in a building, let's say you live in an apartment building and you know most of the apartments are occupied by families with kids. You, you should really, you should give them all a big present once a month or once, a, whatever you want to, but you really should because they do a lot for you. Yes, there's noise and there's kids. Yeah, all of that's true. The frustrations are there. But the huge thing that they do for you is 
they fill your world with cradles rather than coffins. And that's a big thing. It's a very big thing. Now, there are many countries around the world that are suffering from a birth dearth, meaning a big shortage of births. Countries where there are many more coffins needed than cradles. And Japan, South Korea, uh, most of the Western European nations, Italy, Spain, Germany, France, Scandinavia, the coffins are more numerous than the cradles. And those, I mean, that produces real problems. There's no question about it. And uh, I've spoken in the past about the economic dangers that more coffins than cradles bring about. So I don't want to talk about that again now. But what I will say is that it makes those societies less optimistic societies. And optimism is a hugely valuable tool for building a business, for building a marriage, for building a family, for building a society, for building a nation, for building a country. Optimism is hugely important. And uh, I will tell you this, that one of the reasons that one of the Fs is faith is because optimism is very much a function of faith. You will find in general, people of faith have more optimism than people who are secular. And it's not disconnected. It's not an accident. It's certainly not a coincidence that people of faith tend to have more children than secular people because family is very much tied to this idea of how you see the future. And in general, secular people tend to see the future as more hopeless, more filled with problems, whether it's uh, God-given fuel problems or climate change problems or whatever it is, there tend to be problems ahead. Now, sometimes there are real problems ahead, but by and large, people of faith tend to be happier about the likelihood that those problems will be solved. And uh, secular people in general tend to be suffused with a sense of gloom. When I meet somebody, and, I, and this happens to me often, I meet somebody and we talk and I, I'm, I'm fascinated to find out as much as I can about people's lives. And, and the person says, no, um, my girlfriend and I, we don't want, you know, we just don't want children. Uh, children produce too much carbon and they're a, a threat to the environment. We don't want to have children. I know right there and then I'm talking to secular people. I know, no question about it. There's no question about it. And so these are links, these are connections that I discuss fully in our book, The Holistic You, right, which I really, really, really want you to get, obviously. I've been talking about it for that reason. So there are, there are different ways of making yourself an optimistic person. It's very important to do. Um, being optimistic, you know, if, if on the friendship level, social level, um, much easier to have friends when you are an optimistic person than when you're a gloomy, pessimistic person. Much easier. Much easier in romance when you're optimistic and confident than when you are filled with gloom and pessimism and fear. All of those things, all tied together. 
That's the whole idea of holistic being, right? The holistic you. That's why we call the book the holistic you. But um, give it a thought, you know, and see if you can't expand on your optimism. Uh, Clearly, being around children is a hugely positive and easy way of doing it, but not everyone can manage that uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, Sometimes people are estranged from their children, which is a terrible thing. Sometime, and by the way, over the uh, the 2016 election to the present with COVID and everything else, I've been hearing of more and more people who are estranged. Many, many more people are telling me, my children won't let my grandchildren spend time with me. What a horrifying thing. But that is going on around there. It's something to be aware of. So whatever way you can do to have a cradles rather than coffins worldview right think cradle not coffin and uh, and that optimistic tomorrow serves you very very well for today and i think that may be all we're going to do for today and so uh, i want to wish you in the week ahead a week of great growth of great success in your five F's, that you move onwards and upwards with your family and your finances and your faith and your friendships and your physical fitness. Work on all of these things at the same time. That is what holistic living is all about. Until next week, I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin. God bless.